try that as Hey, well. howdy, hey. Welcome to Long Time Ago Radio, a conversational yeah. podcast about Star Wars and the official podcast of a StarWarsPodcast.com. I'm your host, Joshua Mobley. I'm joined by my two favorite fans in the galaxy, Alex Vargas and Rebecca June Lane. How are you two doing? I'm doing really well. Doing good. Cool, cool, cool. All right. I've been, I can't stop saying cool, 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 because I've been watching Community? a ton of... Uh, no, uh, well, a little bit, but I've been watching... Um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, like oh. we've been just marathoning it, and they say that all the time, they're like, cool, 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 cool. <laughs> it's like seeped its way into my uh, vocabulary. Nice. Anyway, how's everyone doing? Good, good. Star Wars life. Now I gotta think about, what have I been doing Star Wars-y the past yeah. week? Alex, go first. Um, we Alex went... might be the only one. Yeah. Let's see, um, we did a troop at the Hollywood Bowl for... Star Wars in concert, which was a lot of fun. Nice. We posted some of the stuff on our Facebook page, some video. It, it was really cool to be walking around, like, oh my god, it's Star Wars! And then to actually, we were, after we after we walked around the whole thing, we were invited to watch the full concert with the with the New Hope playing, so that was that was a lot of fun. Awesome. Nice. Um, I was gonna say, I've been reorganizing my room. It's been kind of like a, a f- feng shui kind of revamp <laughs> and uh i've decided well i have so many star wars things scattered mm-hmm. around i am going to make like a specific star wars section now above my bed which might be a little mm-hmm. much for visitors but you know they should probably <laughs> know <laughs> but uh yeah i have like my cool tatooine hoth dagobah paintings up and just a whole bunch of... I hung my Last Jedi poster that I had gotten from you, I think, Alex. You sent that to me. Um, we got. Oh, from, yeah, yeah. Oh, from when we got tickets. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's on my bathroom door now. So my bathroom nice. seems very ominous. Um, okay. But yeah, just theming my room up so that, you know, when people walk in, they know exactly what they're getting into. That's nice. good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, one cool. of the prominent features is actually my VHS set, which I just saw on Twitter. I think, Josh, you reposted the VHS uh, 1997 box set. It was like a, the anniversary of that a couple days ago. And yeah, they're the only VHSs I own anymore, and they have a prominent place in my room. Is this the one with the gar- with the Darth Vader profile on the side? Yeah, is that makes gold? like a farty noise when you, when you try yeah. to take it off and on. Do you have the gold or the silver box? There was a silver box. No, I have the gold. So I think mm. gold was full screen, and then silver was the harder to find widescreen edition. Oh, yeah. I, got the janky I have screen. the box before the special editions. So you have the. I have the original photos, right? Yes, the the, uh, the ones where when you boot it up, it's like Star Wars, like as well, as you saw it one last time or whatever. <laughs> is yeah. it the ones with the? It's a stormtrooper, Darth Vader, and I forget, I think Yoda on the covers, or yeah. is it the? poster art no it's that for it's okay. what you said the first one yeah and that the ones where each of the films start with uh leonard malton that's his name right yeah leonard yeah malton. interviewing lucas like yeah. for 10 minutes love um, me some leonard malton yeah oh there was unfortunate news about him didn't he die like a week ago. no he has uh he has a disease i don't remember what unfortunately like i think his daughter announced oh. that he had some disease or something, which is which is unfortunate. Well, that's sad, but I thought he was dead, so yeah. that's kind of good news for uh, me. It was, it was funny because every time a film, like I saw a film thing or like a like classic film, it was always Leonard Maltin, like with his big old smile. <laughs> yeah, and that he has that really well kept beard too. I was always yeah, impressed. Yeah, good beard. 
Yeah. Good beard. Yeah. You have to have a well kempt beard, otherwise it's just gross. Otherwise, true. you don't know film. This is true. Yeah. Math. What about you, beard, Josh? Beard math. Um, still just editing videos. I wrote a lot more of Lightsabers Part Three. Uh, but it's still not done. I, I feel like it's gonna take forever for me to get this done, but whatever, it's fine. It'll be worth it in the end. Yeah. Uh, there's just a lot, you know, there's a lot going on. Uh, I really need to get back to Last Shot. I've I've procrastinated pretty hard on it. I haven't uh, haven't read it at all. I honestly got like I was halfway through Two Tower, Twin Tower, no, Two Towers, <laughs> Two Towers, <laughs> uh, the book, and uh, I finished it. And then I immediately was like, screw it. Let's just keep going. So I'm on Return of the King right now. And we'll see if I, like, after I finish that, if I feel like going back to Star Wars stuff. Because I felt kind of like taking a small break. Are you, like, when you finished Two Towers, did you feel accomplished? Did you have fun? Or was it more like reading a textbook? No, I like them. Okay. Uh, But I get it. Like, I get why people are like, I tried to read it. I couldn't do it. You know? Yeah, I think we because, mentioned this last week. Um, yeah, it, they're they're very, yeah. They're written very much like epic poetry, and there's just stuff that... There are scenes, like, I would say the books are... Uh, or the films, rather. The films are actually really close to the books. Hmm. Like, they, they change tiny things about them, which, I, I mean, it's a movie, so you kind of have to. Um, and there's certain things they cut out that it's like it doesn't really matter, you know, to the to the overall thing. And then there are scenes in the book where you're like, boy, I'm really it's pretty obvious why they cut this out. Like, Cause they're I just got to a scene in Return of the King where Mary, you know, he goes to Minas Tirith and he's like, I'll be your your like, you know, Huckleberry. guy to the king. Right. Uh so like that happens and then right after there's a whole scene in the book where there's a guy that comes to teach him like the the low level passwords to go around and then it's literally them having a conversation about like mary's like i haven't had you know like any breakfast when do people eat around here and it's them just walking around ministerious like the guy's like we've never seen a hobbit tell me all about hobbits and it's just like <laughs> all right i kind of get why this isn't in the movie <laughs> you know but uh yeah they're pretty faithful like i i've heard people go like i don't like the way they showed it in the movie i'm like it's like the same thing like yeah i don't know other than just the added like you know flair and kind of thing and the and it's way more wordy obviously because i haven't I haven't seen that since the Battle of Zubop, like fifty thousand years ago. Like that. That's... And then it's like nine pages. Of, Let me tell you about the yeah. Battle of Zubop. Yeah, my 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 friend uh, who read uh, Two Towers like back in the day, he always jokes like, "Yep, yeah, those two pages uh, where Gimli just talks about caves and why he loves them for like <laughs> two <laughs> pages cute, is like actually. where I where it broke me." And I was like, I honestly don't even remember that. It sounds like Tarkin. <laughs> Yeah, Tarkin's always my boots were buckled and. Blah, blah, blah. I polished my boots. With a <laughs> I did like that thread. book though. It's a good book. Uh, it's just it, it got a little tedious at times. Very wordy, yeah. Yes, specific, yeah. overly very, specific. Yeah, I mean Tarkin knows what he wants. You know, in yeah. case you want to be Tarkin. 
where where I would say Tolkien is very interested in the history of what he's making and just goes on and on and on about that. Mm -hmm. I feel like Tarkin is just very interested in like clothes. (laughs) 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 Whoever wrote that. I don't have the book next to me, so I don't remember. I kind of love the idea, though, that like Tarkin's secretly super vain and like cares a lot about his clothing and is like online shopping for like the best buckles and stuff. (laughs) That kind of adds a new dimension. to This belt buckled is best. This one's slightly tarnished. Although, Return. although that there's a plot point later that uh, kind of goes along with that, like the whole um, like his attention to detail, especially in like clothes and stuff. Hmm. Uh, which I won't spoil. I think it's a smaller thing, but whatever. Mm. I'm not gonna spoil it. Also, I almost watched Phantom Menace the other day. I really had the hankering to watch it. I don't know why. <laughs> just for funsies. Yeah, I was like, I kind of just want to put it on and watch it i don't know yeah it's weird i mean you no that do movie that. brings me joy and <laughs> happiness just it's like hot cocoa yeah in a movie because yeah. it reminds me when i was nine years old and watched it yeah. every single day exactly i know I, f- I i i don't have my prequel vhs tapes but i bet my phantom menace one is probably run dry oh like, yeah probably just like my i'm gonna film my um my return of the jedi one soon just to show people but it skips so much just because it i i watched it so much yeah i don't even know if my my gold box would even run i don't have a vhs player so it's not really an issue but i bought i bought one on ebay for like 15 bucks um when force awakens was coming out so that i could rewatch the mo- the original cuts basically i was confused i'm like wait did they release force awakens on vhs no that'd be so gangster that'd be weird <laughs> i'd love to have them all though on vhs that would be really random yeah i know people make like um vhs boxes for them but yeah yeah that's cool everybody seems like uh doing something at least related to well, I'm Star excited Wars. for this topic. I've spent like a significant yeah. time doing research. It's so. a cool topic. Actually, uh, related to this topic, I found out yesterday that the Marin Symphony is doing a John Williams concert. Wonderful. In two weeks, I think. So I'm seeing if people want to go. I might be going. It's called Star Wars and More. <laughs> <laughs> you should go. That yeah, you should miss that. Because uh, they're gonna, they're, so they're gonna play a bunch of his Star Wars music, obviously. And then they're gonna play Jurassic Park and, um, like a bunch of other stuff he worked on, like Indiana Jones and all that. So, should be cool. Cool. Uh, cool. I guess I see you highlighting that. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, everyone, you're listening to Long Time Ago Radio. Whether you're from the class of '77 or Solo was your first Star Wars film, you're welcome here. And now on with the show. Anyway, this week here on Long Time Ago Radio, we're going to be talking about John Williams and specifically the music of Star Wars. Yeah. Um, John Williams has composed all of the music for Star Wars except for one film, uh, and that is Rogue One. Oh, no, Solo, right? That's two. Oh, no, that's two. Oh, my God. Oh, two. Yeah, so 
Well, he did the theme for Solo. Like, the, I guess he composed Han's theme. I didn't know that. Interesting. Yeah, apparently he did that, but everything else was someone else. But yeah, Rogue One was uh, someone else whose name I'm blanking. Michael Giacchino. Michael Giacchino. That guy. Yeah. So John Williams is apparently, I think, nine is going to be his last one because he's done every single movie pretty much up until this point. Um,. Which is crazy because I feel like a lot of what we think of when we think about Star Wars is the music. Absolutely. In in a strange way. Um, I watched a video. I don't know if, I, if Becky, maybe you saw it. I saw a video where it was like people walking around the street asking people to like, like, do you recognize this music? And they were doing music from like Indiana Jones, Star Wars, and uh, like Back to the Future, Harry Potter. And then they'd be like, can you name a theme from, like, a Marvel movie? And everybody was like, Brr. That's such a good question. Yeah. They, I think the movie was called, like, Why Why Can't We Remember Any Marvel Music or something like that? Uh, and uh, it, it, I, don't, I, I don't know. I don't remember what the whole crux of it is. But I find it interesting that, like, John Williams has composed so many of the most iconic themes of cinema. Like, Absolutely. You ask so many. If you ask people, even if they don't like Star Wars, they know the theme. Oh yeah. yeah. Or they know like something from it. Or if you ask them about like what's the Indiana Jones theme, they probably know. You know. Totally. Or the Harry or the Harry Potter theme. E. T. E. T. Jaws. Yeah. Was he also Jaws? I of guess course. he was. Yeah. Huh? yeah. So at first, I just want to give a shout out to James, who is a long time ago radio super fan, who actually wrote in and suggested this topic for us a while back. And Ooh. I want to quickly apologize for confuse, confusing James with Sebastian, who I met down in Atlanta and thought it was James. So hi, James. <laughs> Looking forward to eventually meeting you. Um, but thank you for the topic. Um, yeah. So yeah, this is a super exciting topic. I... I'm going to be pulling a lot from um, this uh, IGN article that I found years ago that really changed the way I listen to Star Wars now. Um, If you are interested in this topic, you should go on Rebel Force Radio into their archives and find a podcast that they ran for, I think, two years called Star Wars Oxygen. Um, It's with David Collins. And then stop there. (laughs) (laughs) And it's David Collins, who is a musician and former lead sound lead at LucasArts. And he's on there with Jimmy Mack from Rebel Force Radio. And there's a bunch of episodes where they break down, like, literally with a piano. Um, uh, David Collins is on the piano, breaking down all the different themes and, and the composition of them. So if this is something that you're into, please go check that out. I'm going to be stealing so much from that. Um but uh yeah do we want to do you want to give a little intro i know alex you looked into some stuff about how him and how lucas and um uh, john williams actually met up because when you think about it like yeah john williams is a huge force and george lucas was kind of just running around doing his weird little movies so yeah there's a there's a great article on youdiscovermusic.com it's uh, entitled john williams and the legacy of star wars and it talks a lot about his legacy in star wars um but the intro to the uh the article is, is really interesting because it talks about how they not necessarily that they met but how the music for the first movie new hope was uh conceived so i'll just kind of read you a little bit what they had here 
Uh, Lucas originally cut his film, then entitled Just Star Wars, only to be renamed later as Star Wars Episode Four: New Hope. Calling the works of such musical masters as Beethoven, Bach, Tchaikovsky, and among others. Yes. Sorry, that name is just always throwing me off. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> then he handed the cut of the film over to Williams, who won the job thanks to the recommendation of Steven Spielberg after Williams delivered the most iconic horror score since Psycho for his fish movie Jaws. And he said, that, but better. So he gave him an idea of what he wanted and then let John Williams just run with it. So, I mean, right there. I love that. It's great because it's it's showing how much, not only did he respect John Williams, but it was how much trust he had in him to, to let him do his thing. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's it's interesting when he, you know, you talk about an editor or a, a creator, you know, temp scoring a film, which happens a lot. You put in temp cues that you want it to sound like, and then you send it off to a composer who will mimic those cues. We do that in TV, mm-hmm. even. Um uh, and what's interesting, I'm going to, forgive me, go into a little bit of music history and a little bit of just understanding of why this Star Wars um, score is so phenomenal and why it's being like studied and written about a whole bunch. Um, so, you know, Beethoven, Bach, Tchaikovsky, you know, these kinds of huge, uh, you know, more uh, classical musical scores. Um, was the way he wanted to go, which is interesting when you're looking at the landscape back then. You know, you're looking at, you know, Robin Hood, these kind of swashbuckling adventures. Um, But George Lucas um, really wanted to focus more on these operatic kind of style of things. And um, he said, um, it was not the music that might uh, describe Terra Incognita, like a foreign planet, an unknown planet, but the opposite of that, music that would put us in touch with very familiar and remembered emotions, which for me was a music translation Um, which, as a musician, translated into the use of 19th century operatic idiom, if you like Wagner and this sort of thing. Um, Such a method activated, Williams said, a cross-cultural mythology, the constant underlying of characters and situations, such as a robust ragtag theme for the rebels and the ominous dark music for Darth Vader. And, you know, that kind of played into the, you know, happy naivete of, of Lucas's, you know, Star Wars trilogy, this good versus evil, these huge themes. Um, but what he does so interestingly is actually something that is taken from the school of Wagner. I'm going to say Wagner because I feel like kind of a dork saying Wagner. Um, (laughs) But this concept of a leitmotif, um, which is a musical idea that has a clear and unique melody um, and is repeated to kind of um, highlights certain things. Like, for example, um, you know, if you look at Lord of the Rings, like we were talking about, every time a certain sword is shown, there's a certain leitmotif. A certain mm-hmm. relationship, there's a leitmotif. They, they actually have watched a lot of... Uh, because I, I'm doing a lot of research right now because after lightsabers, I'm going to do a two-parter on how music is a fundamental part of Middle-earth, not even, like, oh. in, the, in the movies. Like the actual world of middle earth was created out of a song like the god of middle earth like sang it into being and like yeah elvish looks a lot like sheet music and things like that and uh like they they do something interesting in, in the movies where the fellowship theme that everyone knows like na 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 each of the instruments uh 
goes along with a different member of the fellowship and when they are separated like instruments are taken out of the theme when it plays that's and great stuff across all three of the films and it's like super interesting yeah how they do that yeah no it's really interesting how this whole idea of these light motifs evolved um because like it, once once film you know started to come on the scene um you know, they realized that this Wagner idea was perfect for motion pictures. It was a joke that Wagner would be the best film composer that ever existed because of this concept of these repeated motifs. But but one thing about a leitmotif is that um, it, not only is it something that's repeated, it can't be repeated like the same way. Like in different instances, it will take on a different tone or a tenor. And you can also mix and match in order to show like foreshadowing and stuff like that. Um, it can't be, you know, because it's been overused and a little too obvious. I think we've all seen those TV shows or something where a theme comes in and you're like, well, I know exactly what's going to happen now. You played that theme. Right. Um, but uh, Williams and Lucas together did a really good job integrating those and kind of growing on it. Um, Sorry, I have like a lot of information in front oh, of me. Fine. <laughs> um, I think I'm pulling a lot from this New Yorker article. That's really great too. Um, but so one of the like first interesting motifs um, is when Luke Skywalker is looking longingly towards the horizon of the set, the twin setting suns, um, and we hear Luke's theme for the first time. Um, it's interesting because what was there before and this is something that you can find in that um that star wars oxygen thing is that you can see a lot of the things that were there and then the changes that were made um you know originally that theme um was sorry you have to pull up a different tab right now um originally that theme was uh much darker and super foreboding and really intense. But then George Lucas asked him to switch out that theme. Um, and it's really interesting because there's a lot of stories like that where George Lucas stepped in and pulled music out or switched a theme over. So I think Williams made a ton of music. And then when you start to lay it in, you actually start pulling things out. Like um, the silent battle um, between Luke and Vader in Cloud City originally had music that was super intense and really bombastic. But as we remember it, it's all silent now. So I just wanted to highlight, while we are going to talk about a lot about Williams, Lucas did actually make a lot of these key decisions that change moments um, for the better or the worst. Um, sorry, I have so much information. No, go um, for it. it cool. <laughs> and, and I'm going to apologize ahead of time for any terrible singing that I do in the next couple of minutes. Um, I have a quiz question for you guys. What oh my God. totally famous, like iconic Star Wars theme is not in the first film? One that you would say is that like mo one of the most popular themes of Star Wars. Yoda's theme. Well, no, because there's no Yoda. So okay, yes. Imperial March. Imperial March. Yep. When we first mm. see Vader, we do not hear the Imperial March. Sorry. No, it's like it's these alternating fifths. It's like. Duh. Oh gosh, I'm trying should to. We, should we just? I play would want to sing it. Yes, we'll play a clip here. Clip. Um. Duh, it, it's like dun 
Da-na-na. Um, it's not the actual Vader theme, but they actually use that theme as a battle theme going forward. Um, but uh, it's interesting that you it's probably completely forgotten that Vader had a completely different original theme. Um, it's a little more, I don't know, uh, samurai a little more kind of metal rocky is what the guys said. There's like these hardcore chords. Um, but uh, obviously, the Imperial March is one of the most recognized themes. We hear it everywhere, right? Um, football games. <laughs> You'll hear, like, teams marching out to that. Um, you know, I think it's been very closely associated with the dark side. You'll hear it in, you know, other TV shows and stuff. Um, but yeah, I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on the Imperial March. I, I like the um, use of the Imperial March in Rebels where they had it kind of like... Uh, they, when they had Empire Day, they play a version of the Imperial March that's very upbeat. Yeah. So I, I like how they did that. And I think they even, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they even played it a little bit yeah. in Solo, too. Like you hear that upbeat, tempoed version of, of the Imperial March because that's we always associate it as viewers as the Imperial theme song, but it technically is like they play this song and that's what the people within the like the in-universe people hear and that's such a good point because and that goes back to the the idea of a leitmotif is that the same melody you know the, the same you know notes can be played at a different tempo and it conveys almost a different meaning instead of foreboding you know we have this uplifting kind of you know uh, patriotic mm -hmm. theme um but it's the same notes um along those same lines one of my favorite little musical things is um so do you guys know emperor palpatine's theme can you think of that da na na da na na mm -hmm. Da oh yeah, the, the, with all the guys going like, oh. exactly. Yeah. So the crazy thing about that one is that those exact same notes, that same melody, is used at the end of Episode One, Phantom Menace, when they're all celebrating, they're holding out the orb, and they're pretty much celebrating Palpatine. We all remember that song. Da na na, da na na, da na 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 na. It's the same notes. There's a couple different sharps at the end, but it's the same melody. Isn't that insane? It's foreboding. Wait, <laughs> explain that? So the end of episode one, when they're marching, the Gungans are playing the the, the thing, the, the the instruments and- Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's the same theme. Yeah, I, okay, I remember, I remember hearing about that, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I just, that's another one of those music moments where you see really George Lucas, you know, putting these little hints in there and yeah. using the score to to create this, like, layered world where, again, something that was a rally cry in episode one becomes this horrifying, you know, demon in episodes, episode six, which I find pretty amazing. Um Feel free to jump in, guys, with other No, cool I'm, I'm digging all this information. <laughs> yeah, and honestly, I'm learning a lot, too. And I, I had honestly forgotten all about the Palpatine thing, like, with the with the Naboo thing. Because well, like, I, I had that pointed out to me before, and I was like, oh, that's cool, but I, I totally blanked on that. Yeah. Well, since we're talking about episode one, I'm going to have to just give a shout-out to my personal favorite theme of Star Wars. Um... Mm -hmm which I'm sure you can guess, Duel of the Fates. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, I have not booted this up to see if the act, like, to see where the music video is, but it's on here, apparently. So, maybe we'll do... There you go. The, maybe the... we'll do that on Instagram. We'll, yeah. uh, I'll put it in my PS3 and try to find the That would be video. cool. I love that. I yeah. love that. Um, so, let's just go forward with another theme. Ooh, Cantina Band kind of <laughs> probably yeah go ahead probably like the most other song that john williams had to compose for all of this um mm-hmm. you know considering it's like in set in time but i just liked this little this little quote from that article um lucas told him and i also like how involved lucas is we always seem to like push him aside a little bit but he's really involved it seems in the music from all these stories i've read um yeah. Lucas told Williams to imagine several creatures in a future century finding some 30s Benny Goodman swing band music in a time capsule mm. <laughs> and, <laughs> and how they might try to interpret it. Not um. hard at all. <laughs> <laughs> but I just love those specifics of that direction. Right. That's what a director does, right? Yeah. Those fun little I want this thing, now give it to me. <laughs> You're like, oh, okay. But yeah. That's funny. I'd never heard that before. Yeah, the cantina music now, and now it seems like every Star Wars movie, there has to be a little cantina moment. Crossing the threshold yes. scene. Yeah. Is that the name of the song from Force Awakens? No, it's... it's oh, uh, what's a concept? It's a ter- Yeah, it's like a mythological, like, hero's journey term. Gotcha. Like, uh, the idea is, like, the hero has accepted the quest, and the crossing of the threshold is, like, the cantina scene where they see people who've been out in the real world who've experienced it and they're like unfamiliar so like the uh the idea is like yeah walking into the cantina it's filled with weird aliens that you might never see again in the thing it's because we're crossing over from the world we know that's comfortable into the uncomfortable basically that's awesome a literally alien experience yes exactly what were you gonna say say, that reminds me it's like in uh lord of the Rings, just talking back again when they discover that you can get beer and pints. <laughs> the prancing, the prancing pony. pony scene. Yeah. We should cut that yeah. with the cantina band playing in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking, and then of course, the cantina, the newest cantina song, which is our Creature of the Week song, right? Yeah. Um, Java Flow. Java. Which was Lynn. Lin-Manuel Miranda wrote that song. If Nuh-uh. Oh, I was going to say, if perhaps anyone didn't know, and apparently Josh didn't know. I didn't know that. <laughs> I loved that genuine moment of shock. That was excellent. I had no idea. Lin-Manuel Miranda, That's obviously of Hamilton fame. Pretty cool. Yeah. Um, he also did all the music for Moana, which is also mm-hmm. the jam. Um, yeah. But yeah, cantina moments, always with the cool jams. I like the idea of diegetic music in the world of Star Wars. Um, So just uh, diegetic music means music that's played actually in the scene um, and not the score. So like the characters can hear it too. Um, And I just, I I like the idea that there's, you know, I would love to have like a CD of just like what they listen to. Like what does Luke listen to on his iPod? You know, who knows? Well, actually, <laughs> really like emo in stuff. the 90s, they came out with two CDs. They came out with a Max Rebo band CD, and they came out with the uh, the Cantina band. Oh, and it was it. really cool because if you opened the really early episode or issues of Star Wars Insider, you'd have uh, opposing ads, one for the Cantina band and one for Max Rebo. 
and they came up with music that's within the realm of Star Wars that you could buy on uh, on CDs and get T-shirts. I mean, it's all band merch stuff. So if you want to, you can find awesome. those. They're out there. That's oh really God. cool. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Um, all right, moving forward. One more really cool moment um, where George Lucas stepped in and changed the meaning. Do we remember the moment? Obviously, we do. In uh, uh, Return of the Jedi, where Luke has surrendered himself to Vader, and they're having this kind of com- conversation as Vader's bringing him to the Emperor, and they're on this little walkway, and um, Luke's trying his best to turn Vader to the to the light side. And it's a very ominous scene. It's very foreboding. There's light music going throughout, but like I think the biggest like sound cue is when Vader turns on the lightsaber and there's this huge tension of like, you know, is he gonna like kill Luke? Like what is Vader thinking in that moment? Originally scored, um, it had this, as soon as, if you remember, uh, Luke goes with the guards into the elevator and then Vader kind of stares off into the distance. There Mm -hmm. used to be a lighter kind of echo of Luke's theme as Vader looked out onto the woods. And you can actually, I think on the DVD or some special edition, you can watch the scene with this score and it makes it so obvious. It's like, well, obviously Vader's going to turn. Like, why else would you put that hopeful music in in that moment? Um, but then George Lucas said, hey, this is too much. Let's put something a little more kind of ambiguous there. And so then that moment with Vader staring out, you really don't know what's going to happen. Um, hmm. But it's interesting that just those little changes can go from something seeming kind of, you know, overly simplistic to something seeming a little bit more, um, you know, having more intrigue. So I just found that really fascinating. And again, you could if you go to the Star Wars Oxygen, you can hear examples of all of this stuff. Um, my last Pretty interesting, yeah, it can make it can change everything. It really can. The because you can imagine going into that scene, ha- having that that final battle, having more hope, um, mm-hmm. how that would have changed. Do you do you have a note just by chance of? I remember I'm suddenly reminded of this one. Uh, now that you brought up Vader in Empire, when Luke's hand gets cut off. There is a uh, some sound that's that it's happens. Him screaming. Uh, <laughs> this. <laughs> well, yeah, okay, but like, so there, like you said that's earlier, impossible. Becky, the f- the fight has no music, right. Really, in it until the exact moment that his hand is cut off. Yes, I remember like, that. It now. builds tension and then adds to the shock. Yeah. Um, when it happens. That's a good point, because I'm remembering that moment now. That's a really good point, because, yeah, there is no music, and then, like, yeah, it's just this, like, you know, and I think, is it when he cuts off his hand or when, is it when he says he's his father? No, it's right when his hand gets cut off. The hand gets, gets cut off, off which yeah. goes into your, all of your lightsaber hand stuff, right? <laughs> like, yeah, because yeah, he loses the saber and loses pizza. Like, uh, the way I broke it down, and I think I was part one, yeah, uh, was that he's not supposed to be there and he's going against his training and like it's a it's a scar for like transgressing on his mm. training as a Jedi in a way because and it also is supposed to like his father lost the same hand so it's supposed to symbolize like that by not following his training and not listening to his masters even if he's trying to do the right thing he is ultimately like 
following down the same path because he's doing the more selfish thing that his father would have done. Right. If that makes sense. Well, there was um, there was a Reddit thing that I just clicked on briefly, but I was thinking maybe we if we ever do a Darth Vader character study, we can go more into this. This is a little off the topic, but just um, the concept that all the suffering that Vader creates is just an echo of his own suffering that he's gone through and that he imposes these situations on his children. It's just kind of him reliving and making these same mistakes until he finally breaks the cycle at the, you know, by killing the Emperor. Right. Um, but... Anyway, we can go into Interesting. that <laughs> yeah. more on a different day. Um, one last little thing that I'm stealing from this podcast, other podcast, which I found really interesting. Again, goes to the idea of these light motifs and how they can be, you know, the certain notes. You know, you have the melody, which is the notes, and then you have the rhythm, which is the tempo in which they're played. And we all know, like, the Star Wars theme. Dun, 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 dun obviously. Um, uh, but the first five notes of that alone, if you just take them, and this is going to be hard to do in my head. I'm not a musician. I apologize. Dun, 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 dun. If you just take those five notes, the first five notes of that famous, famous theme, and you change the tempo of them. Dun, 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 dun. That is Luke and Leia's theme. That we hear a couple times, but I think the the main time we hear it is um, at the end, uh, right before Luke has that conversation with Vader when he talks text to Leia about how he how he has to go. Um, but it's crazy that like the DNA of Luke and Leia's theme, these two central characters, literally is the first five notes of the main theme. But it's not like you, when you hear it, you're not you, you don't pay attention to that. You know, it's subtle. It's subconscious. Um, but it also just speaks to the beauty of what mathematically I think you can do with music. Um, mm-hmm. But I just loved that one as well. It's cool. Yeah, I love how they take things and um, like modify them slightly. Yeah. To to evoke like certain things, which is. Which is, yeah, I mean, like you said earlier, part of like what light motifs are all about. Yeah. Um, and I apologize even, yeah. if I'm like totally butchering some musical theories here too. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I none of us, at least as far as I know, are like musicians, like trained nope. musicians. Right. So. I mean, I played the piano. I did like ten once. years of piano. Yeah. Right. And I forgot. <laughs> so that it was all. a long time ago. Exactly. Um, but just you know, this New Yorker article was talking about how you know it can be, it can serve the place of dialogue. It really can. Like um, they were talking about in Last Jedi when. Um, you know, uh, uh, Leia's theme is briefly heard when she's kind of force thinking about Kylo Ren when Kylo Ren's about to shoot her at the beginning, um, when she's in the cockpit with Admiral Ackbar. Um, and you can kind of hear her theme just pop in and then end with some, some dark chords. Um, but that takes the place of the concept of her saying, don't do this. I'm your mother. I love you. You know, instead of having that, you have this this theme, this recognizable, like warm motherly feeling of a theme. And that takes away the pressure from the script, um, 
which I find fascinating. And that's really cohesive filmmaking in my mind. And I think that like George Lucas is the guy who created that concept. Um, I think about that a lot in the Harry Potter series too. Those, those themes, especially since so much of that is about loss, you can get into Harry's head when you hear these themes of his parents and um, his guardians that he loses along the way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I can see how it's hard too, yeah. especially when you have John Williams. He so he's he's established this this library of music for six movies, and now with all these spinoffs right. in the cartoon series, you, you're bringing in new composers that have to play within that musical sandbox. Like there's certain themes that we know are connected to certain characters. So how do you make it new? You know, how do you make it fresh as opposed to just repeating what we've seen, but still make it feel like what John Williams created. And you That's see a lot such of a like good point. The, and I, and yeah. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was going to say, you see a lot of that, them tweaking it. I think a, a lot in, you saw a lot of it in Rebels. And you saw a lot of it in the Clone yeah. Wars cartoon series yeah. where you had themes that were there either from the prequels or the, you know, the classic films where they'll, they'll tweak it or they'll, they'll add a little something to it. Again, like where you had the Imperial yeah, March and all those. Yeah, no, and I feel like Filoni has spoken on this before that, yeah, when something like the Imperial March gets thrown in or, like, a hint of it, um, they're very conscious of that, very mm-hmm. careful. Like, they wait for certain moments to, to tie in these really recognizable themes, and I feel bad. I haven't done much research about the music supervisors and composers for those cartoon series because I think they do a phenomenal job. I think the music in Rebels was fantastic. So the composer um, for Rebels and Clone Wars was uh, Kevin Kiner. Oh, same okay. guy so, which is awesome because he, he you know he knows how to do it he did it for one he did it for the other so and it'd be interesting to see for the upcoming cartoon series who's doing that and if they'll you know how they'll tackle the the established music universe and i yeah. would imagine maybe there's going to be a little bit more of that swashbuckling fighter pilot kind of energy i, I wonder well we will talk about that yeah, show we will we will <laughs> We're, it's coming up, especially um, since like that trailer came out the day after our episode. I know I was like, <laughs> it was such poorly, so poorly timed. Um, just a couple closing thoughts on the uh, you know kind of literary like uh, you know educational part of this. There is a professor called Frank Lehman who literally after every Star Wars movie comes out um, updates this master list he has the complete catalog of motific material in Star Wars. And you can look at them. There's not that many, you know, maybe like 50 or so of the different motifs. Um, And he does the phrases. He writes them out and you can see them. And um, he numbers the uses, what movies they are in, um, where the first time you hear them in the films. And he defines what the motifs are and kind of gives a little bit of, of, he talks about incidental motifs too, which aren't, they don't fit the criteria of, of the regular light motifs. But if you're really into this stuff, um, check him out. I think he's a Harvard professor, um, PhD, Frank Lehman. Um, if you want to like learn some of the different and maybe come up with your own Star Wars scores using combinations of the light motifs if you're a musician, um, that's a that's a cool resource for you. And then you'll you'll compose the next Star Wars movie. <laughs> Heard it here first. <laughs> So do you guys want to talk about, I already said what my favorite theme was. Um, I'll just also throw out that I love Ray's theme. I think that's the best. I also really new love theme. Ray's theme. Yeah. Um, my favorite theme in all of Star Wars has, it's, it's like a toss up between Yoda's theme and uh, uh, Across the Stars. 
Can you hum a little bit of both of those? Is that possible? Uh, Cross the stars is. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah, so Anakin and Padme. Yep. You know, yep. Yep. Making out that theme, and I don't know why, and it's gonna sound really stupid. I'm really blanking out on Yoda's theme right now. It's the one that goes <laughs> no Yoda. This is Yoda's theme. Yoda. He, he is the has coolest. green. Oh, ears. you know what it is? It's uh, uh, it just came to me. It's um, it's it's the one that plays when he's lifting the X-wing. It's like na 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 na. Yeah. Yeah. That one. Yeah, that part's so epic when he does that. Yeah. Yeah. Good call. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I I mean, I like all the classical ones, but I think one of my favorites, I I mean, there's a few. I mean, I I love the A New Hope and End Credits from Revenge of the Sith because it ties in all six movies, you know, the original movies. You have a little bit of the prequels. Mm -hmm. You have the Imperial March in there. You have all, it all mixes in. You have binaries. It it gets every, all the goodness and puts it together in one, one 10 minute song. And then uh, Han Solo and the Princess from Empire Strikes Back because that's the song that my wife walked down the aisle to. So there's no way I can't not like that song. And then the... Uh, She's not there. You can right? say whatever. Oh, I hated that song. <laughs> uh, and then I really, really enjoyed uh, the, the song that... Well, I don't remember the name of it, but it was the introduction to the Marauders and Enfy's Nest and Solo when they were attacking the first time. And it, Oh, with all the uh, like. Yeah, it kind of had a little bit of that uh, stuff in it. That, that Darth Maul battle, the, the Duel of the Fates feel to it. So I really, really enjoyed that piece of music. Mm-hmm. Cool. I think uh, I think that's going to do it. Unless uh, you guys have anything else to say. Um, You know, just that there's so much here. There's a lot. Um, you know... It's <laughs> if you want to like dig down deep and like really, um, you know, get into all these light motifs and and get into John Williams' head. He's talked about this for years too. There are so many interviews. He does these concerts constantly, which God bless him. He's still up there performing all the time. Um, yeah. So if this is hopefully, James, we did the subject justice, please let us know your favorite themes or any of these other fun little tricks that you've, uh, if you found them. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I just, I feel like we were really lucky to get John Williams. And I feel like we might have not had the Star Wars that we know now. It might, it, it probably wouldn't have blown up without him. Yeah. Thanks, film industry, for having really terrible taste in music for <laughs> so many like, years. A decade. Yeah. <laughs> So that an organic soundtrack could feel uh, unique. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, I, I just want to give kudos right. real quick to huh? John Powell, who composed Solo, and then also uh, to, what was his name? The guy who did Rogue One. Michael G- He got picked up at the last minute during the reshoots. So it's interesting because the original composer who had already started coming up with ideas for the movie was no longer available because of the reshoot. So there's probably a score out there that we'll never hear that could have been Star Wars, but no longer is. So that's just kind of mm-hmm. floating. Well, they, maybe they'll reuse a lot of those things because Lucasfilm loves reusing. Right? I mean, well, 
of things. Uh, who knows if, if we'll ever see it, but a Hollywood Reporter has a cool article. If you go back all the way to September 15th of 2016, and it talks about this whole swipping and swapping of the composers and, and how it's affecting the movie being made at the time. But yeah, Star Wars music. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. That's the jam. That's the good stuff. Yeah. All right. Shall we get into this news? We got we got some stories. Absolutely. All right. Our first piece of news. I'm going to need some help here because I don't actually know how to say this guy's last name. And it's funny that we've talked about Tolkien twice this episode and this happens but Dominic Monaghan? Is that how I say his name? Monaghan? Monaghan? Yeah. Sure. Uh, Yeah. I don't know. Uh, Join Star Wars Episode (gasps) 9. This story comes from I hadn't seen this. Yeah, so this story comes from Hollywood Reporter. Uh, the actor starred in J.J. Abrams' Lost, as well as Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings trilogy. Yes, Lost. Uh, Monaghan rose to prominence thanks to his role as the lovable Hobbit Mary in Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings trilogy and starred as Charlie Pace in Abrams' produced Lost from t- uh, 2004 to 2010. Not Penny's Boat. And then he was also in Mute this year, which I didn't see. Um... Yeah, it, it, it said uh, the actor's been vocal about his interest in appearing in a Star Wars movie and has spoken about broaching the subject with Abrams after the director signed up for 2015's Force <laughs> Awakens. At the time, Abrams told him he was building a cast of unknowns akin to the stars of the original uh, 1977 film, um, but his role right now is totally unknown. I have no idea. Well, that's super exciting. I kind of, like, love him. Um... Yeah, he's great. Yeah, I don't know. I always, I mean, I was a huge Lost fan. Like, huge. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I'm excited about this. I did not know this till you just said this, so. Oh, really? Yeah. There were so many second breakfast <laughs> jokes going on on Twitter. Like, Well, so since this, is such a, since, since this is such fresh news, who, what kind of character do you think he's going to play? Like, just wild <sighs> speculation moment. I mean, it's hard to say, but if, yeah. I don't know. He has such a charming personality. I could see him as like just some kind of rogue somewhere. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna go I with no. He could I'm be a pilot, the, an X-wing pilot or pirate. something. Or he could be literally anything. That's the, That's the problem. That's wild <laughs> speculation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I see him as like a thing. Maybe, maybe not like a. Yeah, a person who's like swinging a lightsaber or anything. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say as a thing, not a person. <laughs> hey, no, hey, here's the thing. <laughs> For a second, I was like, he damn, could all right. That's a droid. He could be a creature. That's the thing. He, he may not even be a face character. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Like something a little bit weirder. He could be a ship. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, what's her face turned exactly. into the ship, right? Yeah, so someone did yeah. turn into a ship. <laughs> Star Wars. Um,. So that's cool. I'm into that. Uh, who who knows when we'll hear any? I guess you know. I'm thinking that we're probably not going to hear anything more about Episode Nine, other than leaks and things, until yeah. Celebration. Yeah, they'll probably keep it locked down. Seven coming months? up. Yeah, trying to get everything paid off. <laughs> All right, 
D23 Expo tickets are now on sale for 2019. This is taking place in Anaheim, and it's going to happen from August 23rd to the 25th at the Anaheim Convention Center. It's basically Disney's Comic-Con. It's It's huge. big, and it's, and it's supposed to be a lot of fun. It's the one convention I haven't done yet, so we'll be going this time. Yeah. That's so, crazy that the tickets sell so far in advance. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's a big, big deal. I want to go, but I just, like, can't afford to pay for the ticket right now. Well, you're now. doing celebration, How much are the tickets? too, right? That makes sense. Uh, like, 250 for the three days or whatever. Okay. Yeah. So, not cheap. Um, but... At the last D23 in 2017, there were multiple Star Wars things. There was the full reveal of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Uh, They debuted the last Jedi behind-the-scenes footage. Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill were named Disney Legends in a special ceremony. And then there was a Star Wars Battlefront 2 panel um, with a new featurette. And uh, they had uh, Janina Gavankar, who played uh, Aiden Versio there and stuff. So we might probably get quite a bit um i'm sure we'll get probably another like a behind the scenes of episode nine kind of thing similar to the last jedi one we got um because we'll we'll be in full marketing swing for whatever episode nine is by then yeah they'll probably also have sets and props they typically bring a lot of the costumes out for her d so d23's floor they have a full section where it's just a display of disney props or our maquettes or models from all the movies and from the different attractions from from all over the world so back in 2015 when the force awakens was coming out that was the first time we had ever seen captain phasma's armor so you had her standing there it was the, it was the, the first reveal and you had a lot of the actors just kind of randomly walking the floor so you had daisy ridley you had john boyega just kind of randomly walking around and not many people recognize them which is pretty cool because uh, some friends of ours went there yeah, telling me back then. that you could just walk up and take a picture. You know, it, it was a lot easier. I mean, compared to now, but uh, it should be a fun convention yeah. this year. I don't think John Boyega yeah. can go anywhere on this planet At this point, anymore no. without being no. mobbed. <laughs> I don't think any of them really yeah. can now. Like, I know those Boyega yeah. girls though are aggressive. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Speaking of conventions, Star Wars Celebration 2019, which we'll be at, at least Becky and I will be at. Woo-hoo. Um, f- ticket update. Five days, totally sold out. But those sold out in like the first 48 hours, so that shouldn't be surprising to anyone. Uh, Saturday tickets are totally sold out. Friday tickets, however, are only almost they're, sold they're, out. They're very <laughs> close to selling out. They're going quick, so if you want to at least go one day just to see what you know it's all about and you're going to be in chicago you know maybe get some friday tickets but go quick because they're going to be gone like real soon they're gonna be they're gonna be gone i can't wait i'm so excited i know i'm very excited too i'm excited to do stuff in chicago i'm excited to find out if our panels get approved i'm excited just in general this is only my second convention of any kind i've ever been to so really yeah, I did PlayStation Experience when, like, forever ago. What year did you go? The year, the same year as uh, before the kind of funny thing where I met you. So that previous December, I guess. Was it in San Francisco? Yes. Oh, my God, Becky, I was there. <laughs> I'm sure you were. 
That's insane. Oh, my God. And I'm sure you were oh, at, my. like, the kind of funny things. You're probably in line for Greg Miller the same way I was, and we just didn't. I don't remember if we went to any of that stuff, but I, I know that, like, a bunch of a bunch of my Destiny clan were all from kind of, like, kind of funny stuff. Yeah. And so we were all meeting up at PlayStation Experience and, like, getting drinks and hanging out and stuff. So That's funny. That's a good time. Is partnering with Disney for new Star Wars games, which is basically they're going to make more mobile games because Zynga is a mobile game creator. Um, so if you didn't it. think there were enough <laughs> Star Wars mobile games to play, get ready because there's got to be more. Um, I still haven't found one that's really struck. I don't know me. how you didn't get into Galaxy of Heroes. It's I, I did get into Galaxy of Heroes for a couple months. There's I so was... many new... Aura Singh just came out as a new Bounty Hunter character. The They, like, totally revamped all the Bounty Hunters a couple months ago, and now they're, like, oh, yeah. banging. Yeah, it's good stuff. Honestly, excuse me, my new thing on mobile right now is Picross. Don't so... don't you dare give me another mobile game. Huh? I, you keep giving me these mobile <laughs> games. You introduced me to Marvel Strike Force, <laughs> and that took over my life. The Emoji game took over my life. But do you know... Do you, have you, do you play Picross? Do you know what that is? No, tell me. It's kind of like... It's like Sudoku, but with pictures instead of numbers, basically. That makes no sense. Uh, <laughs> Just go with it. It'll be like, it'll be like a row, and it'll be like there are five that you need to mark in this row, and the rest are nothing. Okay. Uh, and so you basically like, you know, use your brain and like all of the numbers on this big grid. To, to be like, okay, well, this one can't be this one because these, like, there's only, like, so many here. And and then you kind of, like, you know, delete them as you go. And it makes a picture. Oh. So, like, so then it'll be like, oh, it's a smiley face, you know, or something. Or they're like, what is that? And then it pulls out and it's like, it's a racket. And you're like, oh. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Pit cross, dude. That's my thing right now. Yeah, Until these new Star Wars games come out. Hey, you give me Star Wars Picross, I am there. <laughs> all right, <laughs> I am. I am in it to win it. Um, but yeah, they, and apparently they're gonna hand over the operations of Star Wars Commander to Zynga, which uh, Star Wars Commander is a. I think it's like Clash of Clans. You're right Pretty there. Sure, it's like Clash of Clans. <laughs> Josh needs some blue milk. I know nothing. But I'm not sure. I've never played Star Wars Commander, so I have no idea. But I, I think I've heard of it as a uh, Clash Clans stuff. So, um, uh, we'll see. I want more like. Okay, like uh, this is gonna sound weird, but I, I, I mean, I want more like full Star Wars games. Obviously, like you know, Battlefront size things. Not on your phone. The Star Wars but, well, no. trading card app. <laughs> but I also, for the phone stuff, I really just want, like, simpler things. Like, all of the Star Wars games are, like, these long RPG-like experiences. I'm, I'm and telling I'm like, you, Man. Star Wars trading card, what's more simple than opening packs of digital trading cards? <laughs> and opening packs and going, well, I'll be, be like, back oh, tomorrow. Look, <laughs> I have 30 of that card. Let me trade it. And then you trade, yeah. and you get fake cards, and it feels like you did something, but in reality... You did nothing. <laughs> yeah. You didn't do anything. You, did you didn't do a you didn't single do anything. Thing. No. Fake cards. So then, I need to log into mine and see if I can give you all my I, cards. I'm just gonna start sending you trade requests now. I'm just gonna bombard <laughs> you. I don't actually have it on my phone. That's the thing. I need to put it back on my phone and see if I can get back in. Uh, let's see. All right. 
So, the Star Wars Fan Awards for 2018, they are coming up. You can submit in a, in a, uh, a number of different categories um, to win. I don't know what you actually win. Do you know what you win, Alex? Big ol' Wookiee hug. Just Honestly, award, I don't know. Like I'm, sure, I'm assuming it's a trophy of some sorts. Uh, I, I haven't really been keeping up with this one, unfortunately, but uh, it, it's coming up soon. Wait, so are these awards for fans or awards Yes, so by they're fans? for fan-created works. Oh, so, cool. So I'll, I'll name the categories here because they're, they're submitting. So there's a long video. Um, it can be anything, like, short, like a, a fan film, whatever, and they have multiple categories within long video. There's best choreography, best Ooh. animation, best comedy, Best visual effects, audience choice, spirit of fandom, filmmaker select, and best stop motion. Okay, I did not realize this was a thing. It, I'm assuming best choreography has to do with lightsaber fights, but I'm hey, thinking probably. I should do like a dance Star exactly. Wars dance video. <laughs> Done, sold. Uh, and then in the short video, it's uh, it's literally the same category, so I'm not going to name them off again. Um, there's a there's a visual art category. So there's best digital art, best uh, poster art, best cu- uh, custom costume. I almost said costume costume. <laughs> it's like, that's not right. <laughs> best 2D traditional art, best 3D slash physical art, best custom figurine, best custom diorama, best in show, and then audience choice. Best in show, meaning like the dog that looks the best? You're uh, I think picked by like the people running it and then audience choices okay. yes people get to vote. so nothing about dogs well you have to you have to uh groom and then, your bantha and then you bring that in and that's your <laughs> <laughs> that'd be nice. great um nice. you but and uh the last one is photography so there's best scene inspired photo best family portrait oh best throwback photo Best original concept, and then one just called funniest. Best pet photography, best Star Wars food presentation, best in show, Ooh. and then audience choice. Wookie cookies. Um, you have 22 days left. Uh, it says submissions close on September 17th. So if you want to get your photo, fan film, whatever you're going to be submitting in, you have until September uh, 17th, and then. The uh, Audience Choice Award voting phase begins on November 2nd, ends on November 13th, and then the winner confirmation period is November 14th through November 30th, and then the announcement of winners is on December 2018. There you go. So that'll be cool. That's really, I honestly had no idea about Star Wars fan films are insane. Yeah, they've been publicizing yeah. it a lot on the Star Wars show. Uh, and what's really cool is every week, I think, they have people, they have pro tips being given out by people who were actually part of the production for anything Star Wars. So if they have someone who did a lot of you know cinematography or concept art, they talk about how you can make your entry better based off of what they do. So it's it's nice seeing seeing all that. It's a good, cool. I think it's a cool idea. Well, D23 yeah. does this for their convention. They'll have a theme and everybody uh, for that year creates some sort of piece of artwork and is submitted for it, and then they have a full art show at the convention. So I would be curious to see if this is going to be run the same way. You might actually see these pieces of art at Celebration. Who knows? Hmm. Very cool, cool. interesting. Yeah. Um, this one's going to take a while. <laughs> this next new story. The Star Wars Resistance trailer was revealed. Ooh. Uh, this is the show 
where uh, that's coming out October 7th. It'll be premiering on the Disney Channel, Disney Now, and Disney Channel VOD, and it will air then air after that on Disney XD. Uh, the trailer ha comes with familiar faces like Poe Dameron and BB-8, and then we get to see a bunch of the new characters. Uh, I we've all seen it, right? Was uh, confirmed in my fear about the art style, but let me just say that I'm not okay. Let me get it. Let me get this out of the way. Really All quick. right. <laughs> really quick. I am not one of those people that's like mad about this show, like downvoting it. Like I don't know if you guys saw, but like the trailer for this show has been like super downvoted on YouTube, uh, like significantly. Um. Which I think is just really stupid. Yeah. But, uh, it. I, I'm not mad about it, but I am like, man, I don't know if this is for me, and I it's probably not at the same time. Even though I'm gonna watch it. <laughs> uh, this is definitely a younger audience show. Oh yeah. It definitely, and it definitely from the trailer feels that way, feels aimed at a younger audience. Um, but there are like shots that I like. Like there's certain shots with the ships where I'm like, that looks really cool. But then whenever I see the characters, I'm kind of like, well, it's, mm. it's a very, it sounds kind of weird to say, but bubbly and colorful, it pops. It's, it's to attract kids, it's kids like, fast things with these colorful funny characters you're not gonna get a little kid sitting down to watch well i guess kids watch clone troopers too but i think they are definitely looking at a, a younger audience compared to clone wars and rebels yeah i mean do we know though i mean i recently rewatched the rebels trailer and yeah it's really cool um but sometimes these things have one appearance and then they can grow. Um, I think Clone Wars definitely grew. I mean, if you'd look at the first right. trailer of Clone Wars and then the one that just came out, I you know, that most recent Clone Wars trailer is weird and dark and, and, and not at all what I think people anticipated the show to be like when, you know, the first episode of Yoda hopping around aired, you know? Um, right. So who knows? Yeah, I, and I, I think the show might grow a little like as it as it gets you know as it gets going which would be cool but even if the show ends up not being for me i'm not gonna be mad about honestly, it honestly i'll probably fine. still watch it also... no matter what yeah i'm yeah. still gonna watch it anyway and you gotta think about the pedigree <laughs> too kid. like the the i mean there are plenty of things that are aimed towards children that i love like everything that I love, like look around my room. Um, so, you know, you look at the people who are doing the voices, obviously Dave Filoni, even if it is geared towards children, it could be great children's content um, is one thing. Um, the other thing is like, yeah, who cares? Like more Star Wars, good times, hooray. There are plenty of the things coming out for adults, so there's really no reason to be negative about it. Oh no, it's, it's just, you know, don't yuck someone else's yum. Yeah. I'm sure there's like eight-year-old boys who are psyched about well, people this. hated Rebels, yeah. and I loved Rebels. Or girls. Like I really enjoyed. They're like, oh, yeah. that's not Clone Wars. Well, no, it, it wasn't Clone Wars. It was Rebels. It was 
You're like, you're not. Yeah. It's Yeah, it's not Clone Wars. And the people right? who didn't <laughs> stick around on Rebels, I've talked to some of those. They're like, oh, you know, I watched the first couple and it just seemed too kiddy. And I'm like, you have no yeah, idea. you missed a like, lot of Like, that last... The last half season of that, like, goodness, I showed my sister, like, one of the final scenes of a final thing that happens that has finality. Still don't want to spoil it. Um, and just, like, how graphic and beautiful and dark it is. Um, yeah, so, you know, I, I have faith. I have so much Star Wars faith. I am overflowing with Star Wars faith. So, also, I wanted to make a quick shout out that that very much looked like a Disney trailer. That was not something that Dave Filoni made. I, uh, you know, from yeah, the, I mean, Dave Filoni isn't working on it. Well, I'm just saying, like, yeah. this is not like when you look at these trailers that have that huge company bumper at the end. Like, this is something that they could have done in house at Disney and not necessarily the creative team that was doing the show. Like, very often, I've worked on, you know, 30 shows and as an editor and never have the editors of the shows edited the trailers. Um, the marketing company for the networks usually handles that. So mm-hmm. you have to recognize who the network is, what they want to make it look like. But, like, then again, it could be exactly what we saw. Who knows? Who knows? There's also a minute. Yeah. <laughs> a minute of footage so like it could it, it, it could it could get you know more appealing to like that audience that is mad about it but i feel like there's just people that are just going to be mad forever because you can't please everybody they just you, are you really can't star wars there's so much out there that no you, not everyone's gonna like it but but even then like not everyone should be necessarily pleased if that <laughs> some makes people sense. don't deserve to be no pleased. happiness well, is no i mean like all. if this is a show for kids go all in like make yeah. it a show for kids totally like and if you're gonna make like if the john favreau show is gonna be more older teen adult geared then go all in on that like totally i mean don't don't you know like it, it doesn't all like all of it doesn't have to be for one person like the good thing about the films is that they are for everyone but all of this other ancillary material can be like for a bunch of different Mm -hmm. people it doesn't all like you don't have to i mean i do because i'm an insane person you don't have to read (laughs) every book and watch every show and like do everything it's fine like you're not gonna miss out on whatever like I i don't know I love how we, when we have these topics, we always fight with these invisible fans that we're not actually well, talking to Well, because we right know now. that they're out there. because <laughs> we solve fandom yeah. every episode. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Sad One but thing true. that really excites me about this yeah. is that there was a, a guy who went into the code of the website, and they actually had some text in there that they removed later on, and it... Oh, yeah. And that quote, so I it references... That. Wait, what happened? So, so they, they did a... Um, they did an inspect on. You can do this on any website. Uh, they did a an inspect on the website, which shows some of the code. And in the code um, for the trailer that they had put out, that wasn't under it, but it, it was like it was commented the description out, of the video. Basically, it was the yeah, it was the description, and it said that it was it takes place six months before the Force Awakens. So what's Ooh. cool is that you're gonna start seeing things leading up to. The Force Awakens. So I know that there's been a lot of hullabaloo about people talking about how we know nothing about how the First Order came to be and this, this, and that. Well, this is going to be our, our some of our first insight. I think this is actually going to be our closest look into what's happened, what's happening leading up to the Force Awakens. I don't know that we've had any other books or 
or, or movies or anything else that tells us this close. Yeah, not this close. Really. So that's exciting. All very exciting. Long pause. <laughs> Nicole walked up pause. here and like I <laughs> threw Nicole. me off. <laughs> Might want to. Hi, dear. Hi, Nicole. They say hi. hi. Yeah, how how was unpacking Megan's um, trailer? Ask Nicole what? how it was unpacking the trailer today. Oh, she, she didn't, didn't go. go. No, we're going to... Megan didn't need the oh. help, so we're going to go uh, see her next weekend when we're down gotcha. there for the baby shower. I, I might be up there, too, yeah. for that. Noise. All right, this last one, I don't know how deep we want to get into it. It depends. Um, but images from the Episode Nine set have leaked. I Ooh. looked at them. No, I haven't seen this. I didn't know this. I don't know about this. Okay. Well, <laughs> if you want to go see them, they're up. Uh, it's it's nothing. Like I I I looked at them and I went, that's it. Uh, but it's fun. Yeah, it's it's fun to see. Um, but yeah, are they cutesy things? Because I know, is it like purposeful or is it JJ? Like what? No, it's the uh, they're they're they are. It looks like leaks. someone took a sneaky <laughs> oh, picture boy. with a really really old camera phone. Why are they doing yeah. this? Get them they out of there. This. Get that person off that set and put me in their right. place. To be fair, they didn't yeah, get it's, much. It's, yeah, it spoils nothing. It's, uh, it is what it is. But if you... Other than yeah. outfits. Like, if you just didn't want to see, like, what certain characters look like yet. Like, that's I mean, really I the fact that they showed Chewie in a bikini is a little awkward in it. But, <laughs> you know... I mean, it's 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 weird how it's made more awkward by adding clothes <laughs> than. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's really if, funny. If you want to find the picture, StarWarsNewsNet.com has them. We won't say anything else about it, but if you're really interested, they're out there. Yeah, I saw them on on Star Wars sure Newsnet. It's out, out there, and it's a Wookiee and a bikini. That show's good until the last season. The like new season. Oh, I didn't watch any of the new seasons. So it was... I should. I should, right? I should. But that show was on for a uh, while, and you're saying it was good up until the very last season. Um, season eight's whatever. <laughs> wow, so you, you, you've you deep dove. Okay, all right. Oh, I watched the whole He's thing. He's a true fan. I, I love me some X... I love me some X-Files. You're I'm a true, true fan. fan, no. I watched me some X-Files. Uh, yeah. It's, 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 it's fine. Like, like... Seasons three through five are freaking phenomenal, though. Interesting. They're so good. Interesting. Yeah. All right. That's it for the news. Uh, we're ready for Creature of the Week. Creature time. Ujabuk. They want a wonder. I thought they smelled bad on the outside. <laughs> All right. <laughs> our, uh, our Creature of the Week comes from legends i'm going to assume just because i see yuzong vong here um they are the gretchen why like okay alex you gotta explain this i have no Let's... idea what this is i did not want to look it up because i saw you put it on there and i'm like i'm gonna let alex just explain to me so what the yuzong vong their technology was very organic based. everything was bioengineered so the gretchen were one of these things so i'll just read it off of the, the wikipedia because it's the easiest way to say what it is 
The Gretchen was a bioengineered weapon used by the Yuuzhan Vong that resembled a half meter long black winged locust like insect. So imagine a black grasshopper with bright green eyes that'll kill you. Pretty much that's what it is. They were designed to tear through starships, disabling them and killing their crew. So uh, the last Star Trek movie, all those ships that kind of tore through everything while they played a Beastie Boys song, think that, but as a bug. <laughs> that's pretty much what this is. Like that, but, but an, an actual, actual bug. bug, yeah. So this is this is just another piece yeah. of weaponry that the Yuuzhan Vong had, but it's cool because technically it's alive. Like everything else they mm. have, is, but it's, it's, it's a critter. Is it sentient? It doesn't say. My guess is their tasks are engineered into them if they're bioengineered. Let me let me take a look. Right. Well, but as we saw with uh, L three, she was engineered, but she considered herself sentient. That is true. Ah, so she they had, annoyed. it sounds like they might have had some sort of sentience. It says the Yuuzhan Vong had to destroy them once the battle was completed because once released, they destroyed anything in their path. So they had... Oh, well, that's yeah, terrible. Well, they're, they're not happy critters. <laughs> yeah, but they use them and then they kill them? Yes. Well, you I mean, when you're taking... You These guys suck. When you're taking over the, the, you know, the known universe, you gotta, you gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> the known universe. <laughs> I like that. But yeah, if you if you've ever wanted yeah. to see a black grasshopper oh. with bright green eyes, the uh, the Gretchen is for you. How big you is this black grasshopper? Half meter They're long. They're pretty big. There's a picture on the yeah. wiki of them tearing apart an X-wing. No, that's not at all one I want to see. I don't want to see anything like that ever. Ooh, gross. Oh, the Yuuzhong Vong. Interesting how close they They're they old. got to becoming canon in uh clone wars really yeah. so in what so that. during the the panel that was at comic-con they uh dave filoni takes out his notebook and they're showing pictures from the notebook and then inside of there you see concept sketches of the yuzan vong he's like yeah so we were thinking about bringing these guys into the universe as like a first contact idea and george is like mm, let's not do that <laughs> he's like you know, I, I don't like those guys that's a really but, uh, good impression take, take a look at our pictures <laughs> from the oops take a look at our pictures from uh san diego comic-con we we should have those up on our facebook page and we took some uh shots of of his sketchbook that show these uh the use on bong yeah nice tight tight yeah all right i think that's gonna do it for the show uh, unless anyone has anything else they'd like to say before we wrap up. I just want to say love to everyone. There was terrible convention news today. Yeah. and um, Oh, yeah. It, you know, bad, bad, sad news for our nerd community. And just want to make sure everyone's, you know, reaching out in a positive way in our nerd world and, you know, thinking about others' feelings and just being kind and loving to each other because we're nerds and we all, we're all we have. So love, love. Absolutely. Anyway. On that depressing note. <laughs> on, that dep <laughs> on that depressing note. Uh, if you'd like to find me personally on Twitter, you can do so at the Jawa Josh. Uh, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Rebecca June Lane. Our official Twitter is at LTA underscore radio. And please check out our Patreon 
patreon.com slash long time ago radio for special fun awesome times uh you got gifts there patches fun stuff and then exclusive content including our caravan of courage watch along which is going to be posting yeah. soon which we're going to record tonight yeah hey, uh Alex. you can should be it's, an experience. Oh, you'll, you'll never forget it. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram, Dapper underscore Fett. Our Instagram uh, account for the podcast is at LTA underscore radio. Facebook.com slash long time ago radio. We'll be posting some fun Caravan of Courage uh, information on there soon, too. In case you want to watch it. Sweet. <laughs> In case you would like to uh, subject yeah. yourself to that. All right. Very cool, very cool. That's it, everyone. And uh, we'll see you guys in two weeks. Hopefully nothing crazy breaks like the day after we post this episode. com. <laughs> Bye. Yeah. <laughs> Go away for two weeks. Uh, that's it. May the force be with you. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.